Hey fellow brain pickers and welcome to episode 147 of the Can I Pick Your Brain show. Now I've got a special treat for you today. I'm interviewing one of the top 10 marketers in the world, Neil Patel. If you haven't heard of him, then you must have been hiding under a rock somewhere because literally this guy is all over the internet. He was recognized as a top 100 entrepreneur under the age of 30 by the previous president, President Obama, and a top 100 entrepreneur under the age of 35 by the United Nations. He's helped grow companies including, and wait for it, Amazon, Microsoft, Airbnb, Google, Thomson Reuters, Viacom, NBC, Intuit, Zappos, American Greetings, General Motors, Salesforce. I can keep going. We covered a lot. In the 30 minutes that you're about to listen to, um, we got into long content, short content, SEO, content marketing, ads, sales funnels, I mean, you name it. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Neil Patel. Welcome to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast, where successful entrepreneurs get their brains picked so you can apply mindset tricks and game-changing tactics that will help you become unstoppable. Now, here's your host, Daniel Geffen. Neil, welcome to the show. Ah, thanks for having me. It's uh, you know what's incredible is I, I'm a little bit of a stalker of yours because I've been following you for the last let's see I think it's about almost seven years now, um, and actually partly it was my choice but partly I, you, you're a little bit of uh, you know you you pop up everywhere. It's like you're freaking everywhere. Like everywhere I go online, I just see you 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 you, you popping up over there. So I kind of want to get a little bit of a background first. For I mean, for people who've been living under a rock and haven't heard of you before, um, can you give us a little bit of an introduction uh, to who you are, and also how did you get into the internet marketing space? Sure. So a bit about me: uh, serial entrepreneur for seventeen years, roughly now, mainly stick in the martech space. I have an ad agency called Neil Patel Digital. I have a free marketing software called Ubersuggest. I've created a handful of other marketing tools like Crazy Egg and Hello Bar. And uh, yeah, my goal is just to help people get more traffic and sales from their website. So you were originally like really heavily into SEO. You still are into SEO. I mean, I went, you go to your website and pretty much it's SEO. Um, I had a really, really rough experience with SEO as, as I think a lot of people listening to this. Um, I was writing really high on the first page, probably I think the second spot. Um, I got like a, you know, grew up, my, scaled up my business, doing really well. The phone was ringing off the hook. I didn't need to sell. It was just pretty much selling for me. And then one day I wake up and I just check my rankings because that's what we used to do, right? You just like go on Google and check your rankings. And suddenly I'm not on the first page and I'm like freaking out. And then I hit the second page and I'm not there. And now I'm like having a heart attack. And then the third page, I'm not there. And suddenly it's just like, oh my God, that's it. And uh, I never really managed to come back from that. Um, and and so then I had to get into into doing other things like like getting on podcasts and LinkedIn and Facebook ads and all the other stuff. Paid ads, yeah. Well, yeah. The, the thing with Google is a lot of ups and downs, a lot of algorithm updates. The best way to continually get traffic from them is to look at the top pages that are um, driving you traffic, right? Mm -hmm. And you go in there and when you see the drops, go look to see which pages have lost you the most traffic. 
and go in and then re-update all of those pages, refresh them, new content, fine-tune them. Like you'll notice that's the quickest way to get your traffic back. Mm-hmm. Do you think that it's an oversaturated market? Like I feel like, you know, SEO in the heyday was great. You paid a couple of Indians, you know, a couple of hundred bucks and basically done. Then then it was pay-per-click and it was like 10 cents a click and you were laughing your way to the bank. Great. But then that got too expensive. And then Facebook ads and that's going to get too expensive. Is that is that pretty much what it is? You just have to kind of just jump on the bandwagon early, burn it, and then move on to the next thing or... Oh, no. I, I wouldn't say that. They all still work. They just don't work as well once they get saturated. Right. So any good channel is going to get saturated and crowded fast. You're just going to have to continue to look for new and other channels that you can adapt and leverage and include in the arsenal. Mm-hmm. See, when I first started as an entrepreneur, we used to raise money for startups. Uh, and more so not just me, but everyone did. And you raise money because you needed to hire engineers and you need to spend a ton of money on infrastructure. Now, yes, engineers are still expensive, but there's a lot more to choose from. There's options that are making them more affordable. And infrastructure is pennies on the dollar. With companies like AWS and all these com- companies competing for the cloud, you know, I no longer have to have a big co-location and tons and tons of servers everywhere. Mm-hmm. It just made it more affordable. So now companies raise money for one main thing. It's user acquisition. And that's typically split between sales and marketing. A lot of it goes to marketing. For that reason, all these good channels get crowded really fast. So if I were anyone, what I would do is not just say, hey, SEO is going to die down or pay-per-click is going to die down. You got to get creative, keep adding in more channels, figure out more ways to grow. That could be you have to add in upsells and downsells so that way you can still afford paid advertising. You have to do more conversion optimization. You just have to start thinking of an omni-channel approach versus, you know, individual channels. What's your also? What's your opinion on um, content versus ads? Because it seems like I, I, last time I checked, there's about 200 people who have downloaded the ad blocker on their laptops, right? So ads is like basically ad companies are in serious trouble, right? Marketing agencies seem to uh, be. You, if you, don't, you look at the ad revenue; they're still going up into the right. It's uh, such a small percentage. If really? you look at content marketing. 2015, people used to get more social shares. Buzzsumo released a report. 2015, people got substantially more shares than they did in 2018. Mm. Content marketing is dying. It's really? not going away. It's just not as effective as it used to be. But but who's who watches? I mean, Neil, when was the last time you clicked on a YouTube ad? Right, you probably hover over uh, the skip button. Five, four, three, two, one. Get out of my face. Yeah, I'll okay. In less than Thirty days. I click on them when they What? Click. Really? Yeah. So you're saying it's about the quality of the ad. That That's what needs to change. It's not that the ads, people aren't watching ads. They're well, just well, not. No, it's not even the quality of ads. The quality of ads are already changing. They're getting better and better over time. Mm-hmm. At so, least that's what we're seeing because it's more expensive. So you got to put in more energy. For example, there's a marketer called Billy Jean. Have you seen his oh ads? Oh my God, he's everywhere. He's like you. He's like a rash. They just spread <laughs> all over, all over the place. Billy Jean, his ads do extremely well because they're creative. So it's about doing the work. Put it Basically, it's it's harder to market today than it was in 2010. It's just of a course, it's just, But right. there's also more channels now. So there's pros and cons of both. 2010 is mainly Google. Now you have 
the Facebooks of the world and, you know, LinkedIn and all these sites where you can market on even core and Reddit, they all have ads, but, and there's also more people online, but at the same time, there's also more businesses online, more companies with money, more competition, mm -hmm. there's pros and cons. So for someone listening to this, they don't have a big ad budget. They're starting out. Um, they can't be everywhere, right? So what do you suggest that they, they focus on? What, what, what right now, what's Pick one or two channels that you're, you think you're really good at, or you're going to have the best shots with start off with them. And as they scale up and start growing, then expand into other channels. Mm -hmm. Eventually you need to be on all the major ones. You have no choice, but start off with the ones that you think you're naturally going to be good at. Why do you have no choice? Like what if you just become really good at making LinkedIn into a The market's goal. too competitive. You can do Facebook ads and you can be really good at it, but your costs are going to keep going up over time. You have no choice but to expand it to different areas. Mm -hmm. You're also not going to get as good results. It doesn't matter how good you are at, let's say, Facebook ads. You're not going to get as good of results as people were getting four or five years ago. Do you recommend outsourcing the marketing or doing it yourself and getting really just getting into it yourself and understanding it? Depends. Like, as I mentioned, I have an agency, Neil Patel Digital. And being blunt, yeah. A lot of companies should try to do it in-house, right? Instead of working with agencies like mine. The reason being is if you can control it all, you can do better. But the problem that you end up running into is there's a big issue, at least in the United States, in which there's a ton of these white-collar jobs, the high-end jobs, and not enough people to fill them. Mm -hmm. So if you can't find high-quality people to hire in-house full-time, and it's going to take you forever to scale up and you don't have the expertise, that point you need to work with outside companies, whether it's consultants, agencies, it doesn't matter. The time is money. You want to scale up as quick as possible. Mm -hmm. I also noticed that your blog posts are like books. <laughs> it's like literally, I'm like reading and reading and reading. How much does he write? Do you write them yourselves or do you outsource that to, to someone else? I write it myself. I only write once a week. If you look, you'll notice I only write one blog post a week. So that's it. How long does it take you? Because it seems really deep and, and, and well-researched. Three, four hours. Wow. No, that's a lot. I mean, most people, they don't spend more than like five, 10 minutes writing their content. Yeah, it takes me a while, but I, I write myself and I want to be proud of whatever I write. So you think that writing one long post that takes you three or four hours once a week is definitely better than writing, you know, every day, you know, just producing con lots of content? I would say so. Why is that? Is it because of the the links or because of the quality the quality and especially like now when people's attention spans are so short i think it's like seven seconds right that's what they said so why is it that I, I've got the number but it's less than a goldfish is what yeah say. yeah i think the goldfish is eight seconds or nine and i think we've got seven <laughs> we're doing really well <laughs> what was it that you just said neil anyway um so um so why is it that long form is still is still working so well if if attention span is so short long form isn't necessarily working well i wrote a long post today it didn't do well as my normal ones it's more so writing something that's new that people haven't seen before is what do well mm -hmm. so that's what, the it's about being unique not necessarily about writing long form or short form it's about showing people something that they haven't seen before so I guess, what's the first thing you think about when you're about to sit down in your weekly session? Um, what are the key ingredients to writing a, a good post? What do you look for? Is it just what's what current? Do I look for? Yeah. Uh, most importantly, good headline. Eight out of 10 people will read your headline. Only two out of 10 will click through and read the rest. 
the second is high quality content. You know, mm-hmm. you, you want as high quality as content, something that people haven't seen before, something that's unique. Because there's over a billion blogs. All the information out there is already regurgitated. Mm-hmm. And what do you think about the podcasting space, by the way, compared to the writing? Uh, podcasting is going to, you're going to have the same issues in podcasting in three, four years. Same with videos on YouTube. Okay. That you're saying it's going to be oversaturated. Yeah. So listen, guys, okay, get on it now, right? Get on podcasting Pretty now. Much. Don't, don't, don't wait. You're going to be kicking yourselves in three years from now. Um, what's your exact process? Like, do you, you obviously got a funnel. How does it, uh, what's your exact process for generating the leads and then converting the leads into, into buyers? What's your exact process? Yeah, so the exact process of generating leads is I create content, uh, do an exit pop using tools like, sorry about that. Busy man. Uh, I use tools like a hello bar to do exit pop-ups, which are free. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then from there, once I get them into my funnel, I'll try to push them to a webinar or a sales page and try to convert them into a customer. Okay. So the, let's just start from the beginning. So the exit pop-up, uh, what's your, what's the rate there? I mean, how many people are like leaving the website and then Sure. So I do multiples. I'll do exit uh, pop-up, sidebar opt-ins, content upgrades. In a combination of everything, you should be able to generate at least five emails for every hundred unique visitors. But like, there's a five percent of the people coming to your website that would have left, but because of the pop-ups and sidebars, you're capturing them. Um, Okay. What was the next? So the next. So first is content. So content um, leads to the uh, leads to them signing up for some sort of. I guess cheat sheet or some sort of um, lead magnet, right? Yes. Okay, so that and that gets them into your email, and you've got what an email sequence. Yep. Um, by the way, with an email sequence, when should you? How early should you be trying to sell something? Like, do you, first email. That's are you kidding? Are you serious? You just go for the kill straight away. Well, I provide value and then sell in the first email, and then I sell harder in the following up emails. Okay, so you basically you provide sell first email, hard sell on the second, third. There's no real formula. You have to figure out what works with your personality and your brand, right. but that's what works with me. Got it. So the email then then the sell is essentially get on a webinar and then from the webinar you've I'm assuming you've pre recorded it, it's evergreen, and then you get on the and then they get on the webinar, they what what's with by the way, what's um what's your take on the I guess um ethical um, how do you stay ethical in marketing? Because there's a lot of shady marketers out there, a lot of lying, a lot of exaggeration, a you lot just of... just don't do it. What's the point of exaggerating and saying you're rich when you're not rich or you know, saying this is going to make you a million bucks when it's not? So that's an outright lie. That's like a complete... But what about, let's say, for example, an evergreen, you say, hey, join my live webinar. Well, hold on, it's not really live. Well, remove the word live. So you don't you don't use that. You just just say this is what it is. It's a pre-recorded webinar. I don't say it's pre-recorded. I just say join my webinar. Okay, good. Okay, got it. <laughs> but we also have people in there live who are moderating the chat, twenty-four-seven. Oh, that's interesting. Does why? Because you found that that increased your the buy rate just by higher by higher. it's worth having people live. Well, my sitting. webinar doesn't sell anything right now. More so, if people ask a question, someone should be there to respond to it. It's just a nice thing to do. Got it. But yeah, if I was selling something, it does help increase the buy rate. Right. What's your, I guess, what's your, your 
big mission like i mean you've clearly like you positioned yourself as like one of the one of the top internet marketers in the world what's the big goal what's like the big mission are you money driven or are you just more you want to impact people uh, both why not grow a business and do impact at the same time sure right so what's the what is the big goal for you i don't really have a big goal other than just you know keep helping people out and helping people get more traffic to their sites Sweet. so somebody who's listening to this right now um and they want to scale they want to scale their business um what should be like the first what would you say is the first things that you would advise them to do nothing it's too hard to say this is what you should do if you want to scale your business because every business is going to be different more so i'd look at your business and be like here's where you're making money what needles can i move to really increase the impact mm-hmm. and you go look at the lowest hanging fruit and you go see what's the easiest also implement and you do those two things first right just by the way also you know because obviously we see a lot of people who are hugely successful online um how many successful companies have you had versus how many unsuccessful businesses i've been more unsuccessful than successful i don't know the exact rate but i know i've had more unsuccessful you don't you don't you don't count you don't keep a score nah Hmm. and what was like um so crazy egg was that your first what was your first venture a job board called advice monkey it failed miserably are you serious why what what happened with that I didn't know how to generate traffic. Then once I figured that out, I didn't generate any sales. Marketplace, you need both sides, people looking for jobs and people posting jobs. Okay, so once you figured that out, what was the next venture that you started? Uh, ACS with the ad agency. That one did well. ACS? Uh-huh. And that's one we've never heard of. Well, at least I haven't heard of. Um, yeah, it's no longer around. And then what was, uh, what was next after that? Crazy Egg, that one did well. There's a, a lot in between that were tests. Right. Like Cyclim, that didn't work out. Surf, that didn't work out. There's like a lot of small ones in between. So I guess if you look at all the failures and then you take all the successful ones, what would you say is the difference between what happened with the failures and, and, and why the successful ones succeeded? A lot of it has to do with just time in my career. Nowadays, when I start something, it, there's no guarantee of success, but my odds are much higher. Um, and I focus on something that's really simple, which is I learn from my mistakes, so I get better at it. I look for companies with, uh, and when I learn from my mistakes, I avoid making the same ones over and over again, which helps. Mm-hmm. I look for things that are in a big t- uh, total addressable market, which helps make more money. And of course, I execute really fast. So I'm just more thought out now. Than mm-hmm. when I was when I first started everything. You don't. You just don't. You, ju- you don't just jump in. You kind of like you know, plan it all out. It's so interesting yeah. because <laughs> I hear a lot of advice from people saying, you know, you got to jump off the cliff. Who was it that said that? I think it was the founder of LinkedIn. You know, jump off the cliff and and build it on the way down. And there's another quote of, you know, if you if you if you're yeah, not, and, and they are right. A lot right. of people are just too hesitant to take action. Right. But at the same time, these guys aren't saying don't think about the business and go jump off the cliff blindly. <laughs> They're just saying do both, right? Because as you're jumping, you can build at the same time and figure things out. Because you're not going to know everything from day one. But at the same time, you know, if you don't try to at least think things through a little bit and plan a little bit, you're going to just make extra errors that you shouldn't have. 
Mm. Is there any like um, mentors that you've had or, or books that you read that, that really kind of um, helped you along the way? Does anything stick uh, out for you? Yeah. yeah the, not necessarily books, but, you know, w- one of my mentors early on, a guy named Andy Liu, told me something this isn't necessarily related to entrepreneurship or starting a business but it is a tactic that will help you do well in business so he taught me a lot of things but a few of them were one you know you can always get a good deal you just have to figure out what really moves the other person it's not always financial mm-hmm. and in business you're doing a lot of deal making shaking hustling and try to get creative on how you structure deals that helps a lot and two, you know, he's always taught me basic things. Even my mom has as well, such as it's easier to save money than it's to make money. So I remember when I saw his startup back in the day and he ended up selling it. He ended up having like 12, 13 people in an office that normally fits four people. And he was just very money conscious. And that was smart because what goes up comes down. The economy isn't always good. There's going to be tough times. Save it while you can. What was your like lowest point? Uh, I remember I created a company called Surf. Didn't work out well. It was cloud computing back when cloud computing wasn't popular. Mm-hmm. Burned a million plus bucks on that. What? You're kidding yeah. me. Just, is that your own money or other people's money? Borrowed. Oh, crap. Oh, man. That, that. Oh, that hurts. Did you, you pay? I'm assuming you paid it back, though. I did. Wow. It took me 12 months. Are you serious? Really? Yeah, I went back to focusing on what I was good at. That's incredible. Wow, what a turnaround. But at the time, did you feel like, that's it, I'm, I'm, I, I don't know how I'm going to climb out of this? Or were you just like, yeah, no, I'm going to... I was like, man, life sucks. I'm screwed. <laughs> you know, I'm like, maybe I should just try, try to get a job at Microsoft or something. You really contemplated getting a job? Yeah. Unbelievable. Wow, that's incredible. So what gave you the push? Like, was it your mom that kind of said, Neil, get off your ass and go do something? Or <laughs> no. good friends? I was too young to get a job. <laughs> what? How old were you? I was still in college. So What? I, I what? In entrepreneurship route. You were in college and you owed a million dollars? I mean, that's just insane. Wow. If I was smart, I would have raised a million instead of borrowing, right? Right. When you lose, you don't have to pay back, but. Right. Live and learn. Like, and was that friends and family or just complete strangers? Yeah, friends and family. Oh man, that's the hardest. Would you ever? Re- would you ever? Would you ever recommend doing that or in that? No. No. Right. It's not, if you really believe in something, why not? Um, right. To this day, if I need something, funny enough, I would borrow money over raising it. Really? So Interesting. That was probably the wrong answer. Yeah. So you do borrow over raising because you don't want to give away equity. You'd prefer to just borrow, give back interest i don't really do either right now but if i had a pick i would borrow right do you do business partners or no i do so you have like um do people um, you probably get this all the time but people come to you saying hey neil i've got a great idea for business let's partner up you could be the marketing guy you don't no i don't i ignore most of those typically i'll have ideas that i want to execute on and i'll partner up with people but i don't have a ton of them i focus a lot who do you focus, um, who do you, I guess, choose as a partner? What's your criteria? Someone I've worked with a very long time, someone who has complementary skill sets. So, for example, Mike, who's my partner in the ad agency, mm-hmm. he's also the CEO. 
He's good at executing. He's good at managing. He learns fast. He's independent. He can figure out stuff. Uh, he has a lot of amazing skills. And then, you know, I focus on driving the leads and strategy and he goes and executes on it. Does he ever, not him specifically, but have you ever had a partner that felt that they were doing more of the work because they're doing the delivery side and the execution and the operations and you're just the ideas guy? You're just kind of doing less of the, well, I say less, but I was... I've had that many times. So how do you deal with that? Because I had that. I had a business partner who basically threw me under the bus. Um, like I built the brand, I got everything, and then he just said... Yeah, oh. I look at it from a very neutral standpoint. They're usually right. I'm doing less work. I'm also established in my career for a very long time. Mm -hmm. It's also my money that's on the line. So if it gets lost, it's not like that to pay it back. So when mm -hmm. I'm out millions of bucks in my own money, you know, I'm taking the biggest risk and I'm going to take the biggest chunk. And if someone doesn't like it, then you just work it out. But typically you pick partners who are okay with it and they understand this. And I make this very clear from day one. Hmm. Anything before we close the, the show, is there any like things that you would recommend to people who are starting out, you know, just the biggest pitfalls to avoid? There's none. There's going to be tons. <laughs> There's not one specific more so. There's going right. to be tons. And right. the pitfalls you're going to make are going to be different than a lot of other people, but some could be similar. Whatever mistake you make, learn from it, write it down, write out what you would have done differently, and avoid making that same one over and over again. As well as when you hear other entrepreneurs telling their stories, their mistakes, learn from them as well because there's a good chance you may run into some of those potential mistakes as well. And by avoid making the same ones over and over again, eventually you'll know what not to do, which will lead you down the right path. Love it. So Neil, how can uh, my followers follow you or get in touch with you? What's the best way? Uh, my ad agency is neilpateldigital.com. My website's neilpatel.com. Okay, neilpateldigital.com or neilpatel.com. Neil, thank you so much for letting me pick your brain. And thank you all to all my fellow brain pickers. I'm looking forward to the day when I'll be picking your brain. You've been listening to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast. Inspiration without perspiration is like a tiger without teeth. So to put these ideas into action, head over to danielgeffen.com.